0: Good morning, good to see everyone here on uh, Scouting Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, go Hawks. Uh, (laughs) I wondered if I'd get booed or hissed for that, but oh well. Um, If you read through the Gospels, you can't help but be struck by the number of miracles that surround Jesus. Many of them healings. As he is traveling from village to village, proclaiming the good news, right? News that is so good and and so grand that no one can comprehend it. It's, It's beyond them. It's bigger than they can imagine. But as he is doing this, he is frequently healing people. Now, on the one hand, this is not a surprise because everything about Jesus since the beginning of, of Luke's report to Theophilus has been shocking, right? The, 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 the angel's announcement that Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son whose purpose is going to be to prepare the way for Jesus, the, the virginal conception of Mary, uh, the reaction of everyone to the birth of Christ, right? Everybody is amazed—the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, Simeon and Anna. There's a there's a sense people know they are in the presence of something profound. Then, we see. Uh, more shocking stuff when jesus goes toe-to-toe with satan and is the first one to walk away unscathed we have that trinitarian moment at his baptism and then we've had in this series called amaze we've we've had a number of events where where it's clear jesus is engineered to amaze right so we've got the big claims that he makes He's the fulfillment of the Hebrew prophecies, the Messiah himself. He is. His plans are nothing less than to change everything. And his power includes the power over evil. It includes the power over nature. And then today, we see him exert his power over healing. So on the one hand, this is not a surprise. Uh, everything about Jesus is amazing and surprising. On the other hand these healing miracles uh, need to be looked at and uh, and focused on. And so we have two episodes today. Jesus heals a leper, and then Jesus heals uh, someone who is paralyzed. Uh, we're reading out of Luke chapter 5. If you want to follow along, before I begin with verse 12, let me say just two things briefly about leprosy. When you hear uh, leprosy today, we think of uh, what's called Hansen's disease. The, the term as it's used in scripture is, is more uh, generic than that. It covers a whole range of, of sort of skin disorders and diseases, some of which were contagious, some of which were not. But the, but the big issue about leprosy was not the physical hardship that it was going to bring. It was the fact that you were going to be completely cut off. You were going to be devastated socially and economically, uh, and, and even to some extent spiritually. The, the leprosy was sort of singled out in the minds of the Jews as a, a direct punishment of God. In Numbers chapter 12, we see that Miriam, Moses' sister, was cursed by God for her attitude, and she gets leprosy. Uh, Additionally, King Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 29, is cursed because of his arrogance and pride and God gives him leprosy. So um, there is this um, spiritual sense about leprosy. And, And in a way, just as physical blindness can be a metaphor in the Bible for an inability to see spiritual truth, leprosy in the Bible can be used as a metaphor for being unclean. And cursed, and so it's just a—it's a particularly devastating illness because of the way you were you were driven outside the gates. Right, you are cut off. You—you you cannot come in. When you come in the city gates, you have to announce that you, that you're there. You—you you, you say unclean, unclean, so that no one will accidentally bump into you. You can't—you you know, no one's going to hug you. No one's going to shake your hand. Everything you touch is going to be burned. And, and you can't hold a job. I mean, you are just cut off. It is devastating. So with that as backdrop, let me, read, let me start reading in Luke 5 with uh, verse 12. Well, Jesus was in one of the towns. A man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, um, it's a little shocking that this man would be in town. It's, it's likely, at least, well, it's possible, perhaps likely, that he has made a mad dash for Jesus. He's heard that he's in town, uh, and so he runs in. Because the lepers would be driven off. People would throw things at them. They don't want them around contaminating things. So he's he's likely being yelled at and chased, and and he runs to Jesus, and he falls down in front of Christ, and he says, if you are willing, you can make me well. And Jesus reaches out and touches him and, and then says, you are cleansed. There are four shocking, remarkable, profound things that happen in that moment. First of all, Jesus touches this man. He didn't have to. Uh, The next person he heals, he's not going to touch. And additionally, uh, in Luke 7, we're going to see him heal someone who's not even in the same zip code as Christ at the time. He does not have to touch him, but he does. Right? As an act of compassion and caring and love and just humanity... He reaches out and touches this man who no one has touched in years. Right? No one has gotten close to him. It's almost a given that this man is, is poor, he he is disfigured, he is he probably smells bad. No one wants to get close to him. And Jesus reaches out and he touches this leper. And and it is a it, it it's a profound moment. In uh, the book, The Gift of Pain, Philip Yancey and Paul Brand wrote this 20 years ago. Paul Brand was a missionary surgeon in India, and he focused pretty exclusively on lepers. And he says that uh, it it was almost the norm that when a leper would be brought into his clinic, and he reached out and touched this leper to help do a diagnosis that the leper would begin to weep. And he said, it's not because of pain. I mean, leprosy is actually, uh, it's not contagious, and your nerves die, and so there's no pain there. And that's part of the reason that everything starts to have problems, because you don't realize when you burn your hand. You don't realize when you're walking on your foot wrong and you break it. You don't realize these things are going wrong because you can't feel anything. So the people are not weeping because of the pain of being touched. It's that no one has touched them for years. And so they begin to cry, like, I can't believe this person has touched me. Jesus reaches out his hands and he touches this leper. The second profound thing that happens is that he's healed, right? He's he's cleansed. And this did not happen in hundreds of years. Moses was pretty immediately healed of leprosy it's just sort of given as a sign you know stick your hand in moses realizes that he has leprosy and then immediately he's he's healed miriam is healed of leprosy and then uh hundreds of years later naaman the syrian general at the time of elisha is healed of leprosy other than that there was no record of anyone being healed of leprosy it was a death sentence and yet jesus heals the man Right? He he heals him instantly, and he says, "You are cleansed," and the man is clean. Now, <clears throat> this is, and this is this is what's behind the healing miracles of Jesus. It, it's like a neon sign over his head begins to flash. Right, pay attention to this person. He's not a normal person. He's more than a man. He has powers no one else has. It's, it's as if Christ's business card says, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, healer, and it, it is designed to get people's attention. So the first thing that happens is that he touches him. The second thing that happens in that instant is that he's healed and, and attention is drawn to Christ. The third thing that happens, that, that may be the most profound thing that happens, although you just don't see it initially, is. In this moment, Jesus is turning religion on its head. Right, he is doing something that is completely. How can this happen? Right? He is touching a leper, and as opposed to pulling his hand back and going, "Oops, now I'm contaminated," he says to the man, in essence, "I have infected you with righteousness." You are cleansed. He doesn't say you're healed. It's a bigger claim than that. You are cleansed. You are now fit for the presence of God. And, and nothing has taken place at the temple. Right? There have been no sacrifices. None of that has taken This is all happening when Jesus touches him. And think about it. I mean, this just upends all of the, the whole sort of um, structure of, of the Jewish culture about being defiled. And what is clean? And what is ritually and ceremonial, c- ceremonially clean? I mean, it's, it's the way it works, right? If, if someone's been wrestling in the mud and you haven't been and and you embrace, your clean doesn't get on them, right? Their mud gets on you. You, you get dirty. Now you're both dirty. That's the way it works. But this time, it's very different. Jesus is not infected with leprosy by this man. He infects him with righteousness. He, over, he overpowers religion. Right? He just says the whole ceremonially, ritually pure kind of thing is gone. I now provide clean in a way that no one else can. I said there were four things. Those three are the most profound, but we can't miss the fourth thing that happens, and that is is noted in verse 14. After he cleaned him, after he cleansed him, immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So what Jesus is doing here very subtly, but also very clearly, is he is sending a message to the religious establishment that things are changing. So he he directs this man to go, and this is what needed to happen. This is the law, according to Moses. You need to go to go to Jerusalem, offer a sacrifice, talk to the priest, tell him you had leprosy, you've now been healed, You're here for him to declare that you're healed, right? Do this as a testimony to them. So Jesus knows that when this happens, right, word is going to spread everywhere. No one's been healed of leprosy. Now suddenly someone has. Word will spread. And indeed, we see that it does. When we look to the next uh, healing that takes place, and I'm now on verse 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Okay, so obviously, here come the religious leaders. They've been, so, This young, unschooled upstart out of Nazareth who's getting the big crowds, he apparently has healed a leper. We, we can't not pay attention to this. Who is he? What's going on? And so it says... Uh, You know, he's teaching. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowds, so we'll just note word is out everywhere, right? The crowds are even bigger, the, you know, social media has been engaged, the bloggers, the tweeters, everyone is, to, it's all about Jesus and what's going on, and so now the crowds are uh, unmanageable, they can't get close to Jesus. So when they couldn't find a way to do this, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So they, they're breaking a hole in the ceiling to get down to Jesus, which... Um, means, right, somebody's upset, right? I mean, it's one thing if you say, okay, we're going to open up our home for the, you know, the, the junior high retreat. Uh, we know our house is going to get trashed when we do that. This was a, this was a prayer meeting, right? You weren't, you weren't expecting someone to, to, you know, cut a hole in your roof. But they do this, and they lower this man right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend... Your sins are forgiven, which is an odd thing for Jesus to say, and it's going to leave at least two groups of people confused. First of all, the friends. They're going to be confused and no doubt disappointed because, you know, your sins are forgiven. They're thinking, okay, uh, well, that's nice, but that's not why we're here. Right, we weren't. We're not risking getting arrested for, for destruction of property so that you can say your sins are forgiven. We're here so that he will be healed. So they're a little bit confused and frustrated. The other group that is going to be confused are the Pharisees, because they're they're listening to this. Go wait, wait, he said your sins are forgiven. He can't say that, right? No one can forgive sins except God. Verse 21, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And in fairness to the Pharisees, they're right. right? I mean, this is, Jesus is hanging out a shingle. Jesus of Nazareth, carpenter, rabbi, God. Right? That's, that has just happened here when he does this. Because this is not like, you know, uh, I wrong you, and, and you say, I forgive you. Okay? Uh, I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to try and get even. I'm not going to hold it against you. You can, you can say that. If, if uh, I wrong you, and a third party comes over and says to you, I forgive you, we'd both be a little bit confused, like, this doesn't have anything to do with you. How could you, how could you say that? But it's not just that Jesus is saying, I forgive you. He says, your sins are forgiven. In other words, all sin that's committed is is an offense against me because I am the creator, the law is mine, right? Anyone you offend ultimately was made in, in my image, and I am I am the one who has been wronged here. This is, a, this is a profound, shocking, big, bold statement that Jesus has made. So the Pharisees are, are upset. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? And now he gives them a riddle. Which is easier to say? Um, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. Now, he's aware that they would think, well, the easier one to say is, your sins are forgiven, because there's no way that that has to be verified. Your sins are forgiven. You say it, how can you tell whether the sins have been forgiven or not? But on the other hand, if you say, rise and walk, well, now you I mean, that you can tell. That's the harder thing to say. So Jesus realizes that that's what they're thinking. But in fact, that's not true. It's much easier for Jesus to say, rise and walk, than it is, your sins are forgiven. Right? He's, he's got the power to heal, <laughs> right? I mean, he's, everything that's been created has been created through him. Restoring things to the way they're supposed to be is is not something that requires his suffering and death. In order for this man to be forgiven, Christ has to bear his sins himself and suffer and die for that man. So there's a riddle that's unfolding here. And he realizes that, that they don't get it. It's gone over their head. And so he then says... But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Son of Man, by the way, is the way Jesus will frequently refer to himself. It is a, it is a big, bold claim to power. It comes out of Daniel. And, uh, but most people don't get it. So m- most people do not understand what the reference that he's making here. So it sort of serves his purpose as well uh, to go by that, by that statement. But the religious leaders are likely going to get it. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So see, see what, let's be sure we see what's happening here. Jesus is focusing on the bigger issue, but, but most people don't, don't get that. Right? They don't understand that, that what, the leper ultimately needs is not to be cured of leprosy. He needs to be cleansed. And what the the paralyzed man ultimately needs is not to be able to to walk. He needs to be forgiven of his sins. People aren't understanding that. Jesus is, is there to do something far bigger and more significant than what they're asking for, what they're looking for. And it's not, again, because the spiritual is more important than the physical. That's that's not the message here. That's not a biblical thought. It's that the eternal is more important than the temporal. And what Christ is offering is reconciliation to God. And that is a far greater value than physical healing. there's often a difference between what we think we need and what we ultimately need. And uh, we need to be aware that here, Jesus is focused on what we ultimately need. Last week, I I read a, a provocative statement. It said, God doesn't give us an overwhelming proof of his existence. God gives us an overwhelming person. And... I would say, in Christ, there is an overwhelming person, right? He is amazing in everything that he does. He is amazing in how he is navigating and, and addressing the ultimate needs that people have. And what we need to understand about the healing ministry of Jesus is that it was not ultimately about healing people, because all those people that he touches, all those people that he heals are going to die, right? I mean, no, no he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus has died, right? It's, it's not about the physical healing. He can't help but, but provide relief and care uh, to the people who are around him, but it's not about that, It's about something far bigger than that. And the healing miracles are designed in order to point us to Christ. He has the power to heal. He has power over nature. He has power over evil. He has power over death. Who has this? Only God. He has power to forgive sin. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies. He claims to be the messiah. He claims to be sent to, have change, to change everything to make it right. Who, who has that assignment? It's God. So the, the, the focus here on the healing ministry of Jesus is to point back to Jesus and to advertise who he is. Now, there's something else that happens here in the miracles of Christ, and it's it's worth noting them. And that is that... that uh, The miracles that Jesus performs also point not just to him, but they point to the way things should be. Now, go with me here for a second, because um, in order to to make this point, I have to compare Jesus to the other people who have unbelievable power. Who else has unbelievable powers like Jesus? Well, nobody in real life, but in legends we have people like Merlin and the genie in Aladdin's lamp and we have superheroes like, you know, all the Marvel comic characters, Superman and others. When these people are occasionally asked to prove their power, right? To prove who they are, to demonstrate that they're better than everyone else. They usually give some display of raw power, right? I'll, I'll lift this bridge. I'll uh, I'll I'll use my X-ray vision and melt that mountain, right? I mean, it, it's it's a little bit shallow. Remember the 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 song brilliant song. Robin Williams is the is the genie in the Disney movie Aladdin. And he sings that song, you've never had a friend like me. Can your friends do this? Can they do that? Can they pull this out of their little hat? Can they say abracadabra, looky here? Can your friends make everything disappear? Right. It's just this display of look at me. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Right. Jesus' miracles, his healing miracles, are all pointing to the way things are supposed to be. To the way things were. And to the way things will eventually be, right? And so the, the, the miracles of Christ, the healing miracles of Christ serve more of a purpose than, um, than just directing us to Christ. But I want to be certain that we are amazed by the things that we're supposed to be amazed by. And uh, the highlight of this text is, is not that people can be healed. The highlight of this text is that Jesus can heal now that raises a a different question and the question is is jesus still healing today okay mike i get that that the the reason for these miracles in the new testament is because we're supposed to be amazed by jesus i'm amazed by jesus Um, what i want to know is can i be healed by jesus is jesus still healing people today Well, let me say a few things uh, about that as we prepare to come to this uh, table. Uh, Yes, I believe that Jesus is still healing people today. For starters, let's just acknowledge that uh, we're broken in all manner of ways. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, right? We're we're profoundly broken. And clearly, God is in the business of healing people spiritually and emotionally. A little while ago, I... Uh, was reminded of uh, a friend of mine was asked to pray for somebody and he he went and he prayed and two weeks later he got a phone call from the wife and, he, and this guy's wife says I want to thank you for praying for my husband he was healed and my friend said oh my goodness right like I've I mean I've prayed for people and what we generally see but can't prove is that their life is extended right but but he goes, I've never had anybody say healed. He was, he was healed. He goes, that's incredible. I want to talk to him. He goes, I'm, I don't think I've ever had anybody healed like that before. And she goes, well, no, he's, he, he died. And he's like, okay, but you're saying he's healed. And she said, you prayed for him and he changed. He has been so angry and so bitter and so mean for so long and and. He was just a profoundly different man right away. And he was loving and joyful. And our family was able to reconcile. And these last two weeks have been so wonderful that he was changed in ways that mean everything to us. So, yes, God is clearly healing. Well, then the question becomes, but, okay, well, that's sort of easy. Is he healing people physically? Well, let's be very clear that there are not healers like Jesus. Jesus walks through every—he bats a thousand. Everybody he touches is healed, right? And it doesn't take hysterics for this to happen, right? He just heals. There's nobody like Jesus. Even the apostles in the Book of Acts, who are going to have healing miracles, do not have the power we see. In Jesus, Jesus is Jesus. So there are not healers today that can walk through and empty the wing of a hospital. Right. Uh, additionally, <clears throat> we need to uh, we need to acknowledge that ninety nine percent of the healing that we see happening today is happening through the medical community. Is happening through through the the great gifts that come our way through doctors and nurses and Surgeons and therapists and and all kinds of people who are involved. God has given us an orderly world. We can figure things out. Many people have figured things out. And so we we need to be thankful to God and to the many people who care for us. There are lots of healings that are taking place today. Are there medical miracle healings taking place? Well, as I said, I think that what we see, generally, is an extension of life. And I think that that's what I'm seeing right now going on with my dad. As I shared, um, late this summer, he was diagnosed with an acute form of uh, cancer. He was told that he had five, maybe six weeks to live. I'm going to visit him this next weekend, right? Six months later, he's soldiering on. He can't do, he, he does his age and push-ups every day, Used to be that he could do 80 push ups in one shot. He can't do 80 in one shot anymore, but he's doing 80 push ups. I mean, he's, he's slowing down, but he is ex- his life has extended. And I sort of hold on to two data points here. I have all these people saying to me, uh, Mike, we're praying for your dad. Mike, how's your dad? Praying for your dad. You haven't talked about your dad. Want well, to know whether we pray for your dad? I hear that a lot. And I have conversations with the, the doctor. The hematologist, who, since the first diagnosis, has been consistently amazed by the blood work and keeps saying, these kinds of things don't happen very often. It's a very rare thing that, that is happening. I'm embarrassed that I told you your dad was going to die in five or six weeks, and here he's just, he keeps marshalling on. So is this a medical miracle? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not qualified to say that. I would say it sure looks to me like... God has graciously extended his life. And I know that God has profoundly changed him spiritually. And he's so much different than the guy that uh, we grew up with, right? And his response to this has been, look, it's, it's all good. There's no bad ending for me, right? If, if, I, if I die, as he will, as I will, as you will, right it 's going to happen. this world is broken we 're told in first Corinthians fifteen that death will eventually be destroyed it 's been defeated, but it 's not yet been destroyed. it will be destroyed when that happens, right then no more death but that 's not the world we live in. My dad will die, and he says when I die that's I go to be with god and and if I live on now I, there's people that I love and things that I can do so if i 'm good either way, my dad has been profoundly, spiritually transformed. So uh, can we expect those things to happen? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it's not my experience that we see miracles happening very often. But here's what we can do, and here's what we do do. We pray for those things to happen. James 5, is anyone of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should, care for the, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And that's what we do. Last night, I went to the hospital after the service. We had a couple elders downtown in Chicago praying for a young woman. We pray. And we pray just like the leper said to Jesus, If it is your will, I can be cured. But your will be done. And so we come to God and we lay this in front of him, uh, pray. And this Thursday, to that end, we will have a time of dedicated for prayer, healing prayer, this Thursday night, 7 o'clock, here in the sanctuary. And we set our needs in front of God for him to respond however he sees fit. Let's not miss the bigger point. The miracles of Jesus, the healing miracles of Jesus, are designed to point to Jesus. Be amazed by Jesus. And now we come to this table and.